with all wisdom while we are applying biblical truth to everyday life. My name is Derek Brown, and I'm here today with Cliff McManus. We are both pastors at Creekside Bible Church in Cupertino, California, and we are both professors at the Cornerstone Bible College and Seminary in Vallejo, California. And today we want to talk about the sanctity of life, the sanctity of life. But before we get to our topic, I want to point you towards withallwisdom.org, where you will find a large and growing collection of articles and audio resources like this podcast that are all designed to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus, everything rooted in God's Word, and we seek to provide you with resources that will help you make genuine progress in your relationship with the Lord. Well, today we want to talk about the sanctity of life in response to the recent Supreme Court ruling that uh, occurred, went down last week, and that ruling basically said that it is not a person's constitutional right to have an abortion. And so what that did was it it, it sent now the, the decision for those things back to the states, removing it from the federal uh, jurisdiction and now sending it back to the states to decide on how they will rule with regard to allowing or banning abortions. And so we want to talk about the whole uh, topic of being pro-life. We want to talk about how Christians should respond to this. We want to talk about uh, the state of our country and the way people are thinking about this on the whole. And so I'm going to turn it over to you, Cliff, if you could just take it away with your first item on your agenda. Yeah, I thought it'd be good to talk about the sanctity of life in general, kind of that's our umbrella concept and what the Bible has to say about the sanctity of life. Mm -hmm. The sanctity of life uh, means that God is the giver of life, the protector of life, the one who blesses life, sustains life, um, and that includes more than just uh, the abortion issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, related to every age, uh, how we think of the elderly and those kind of things yeah. as well. Their life is precious too. Yeah. Um, or those who uh, – Down syndrome, uh, people that God has made in his image. But we're, we will focus on – uh, sanctity of life relative to abortion okay. today relative yeah. in light of the decision that was made about Roe v. Wade last week. So here it is. It's uh, June 2022. So it is a historic decision that was made by the Supreme Court of the United States last week. Uh, headline said, Supreme Court overrules Roe v. Wade after 50 years, which is an accurate headline. But what that really means, there's been a lot of confusion, misunderstanding uh, you just gave the proper one-sentence summary of what that judgment actually rendered. But before we talk about practical implications, how that affects uh, the states in America and also our state here in California um, on a practical and personal level, I thought we could just lay out what does the Bible say about the sanctity of life and abortion and life in the womb? Well, I certainly appreciate that approach. I think that's the right methodology. Yeah, as we lay so. down the foundation. Because this it abortion and pro-life, pro-choice – that's a contentious topic mm-hmm. here in America, politically and socially and culturally. Yeah. But what the Bible says about life in the womb isn't controversial. It's it's clear. Right. It is black and white. Right. So that's what uh, Pastor Derek and I want to do here is just real basic biblical principles of establishing that God is the giver of life, uh, life in the womb, when it starts, how it's precious, it is sacred. And I thought we could just look to some key biblical principles there. So how about if we start off with Genesis chapter 1, and my first point is that 
the first chapter of the Bible is pro-life, Genesis chapter 1. And I want to just read one verse. So the first chapter – so if you're a Christian out there, one thing, uh, Derek, you and I were disappointed about uh, was you know the ruling comes out, uh, Roe v. Wade overturned, pro-life celebrating, and then all these so-called famous Christians that we know come out and condemn the ruling. Right. To our great chagrin and disappointment right. because we thought, well, wait a minute. I thought they were Christians and shouldn't Christians be celebrating life? Right. Can you be a Christian and – Celebrate abortion? Certainly not. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. So that was revealing. Yeah. So we would just want to make it clear. If you're a Christian and you're listening, there's only one view you should have, and that's God's view about life. So we would just want to give you some key. There's a lot more we could say, but just, I think, key Bible verses here, laying down some basic principles. But actually, Genesis chapter 1, first chapter in the Bible is actually pro-life. So that should be your position as a Christian. That's encouraging. Yes. And so on day six... Uh, God created the first two human beings. They were real human beings, Adam and Eve, real people. This is not uh, metaphorical or allegorical mm-hmm. or poetry. Uh, God made two people, Adam and Eve, and that's where we all came from, literally. And the first command that God gave Adam and Eve, humanity, was a pro-life command. Mm. So the first chapter in the Bible is pro-life. The first command given to humanity regarding their existence and purpose on earth is pro-life. Here's what it says, Genesis 1 27, God created man, humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female, Adam and Eve. He created them. And then verse 28, after he creates them, he blesses them. Mm -hmm. And God said to them, and this is a command, be fruitful and multiply. That means have children. Have babies. Have babies. And lots of them. Lots of them (laughs) and procreate. Yeah. And that is a theme all throughout the Bible. Mm Mm-hmm. That command by God has never been rescinded. Mm. As a matter of fact, God always blesses procreation in a marriage relationship, and that's his desire. So this is basic to humanity. Um, So God is pro-life. The Bible is pro-life. And this is at the most rudimentary basic level of what it means to be a human. We are to be involved in procreation. And every time we bring a human being into this world, it's a, it's another image bearer, someone yeah. who bears the very image of God. And for that reason is precious. Yeah. That's the basis for the dignity of the human person. That's a lot of the language that's used. How, how do we root the dignity of the human person while well, you root it in the image of God? Every, like you said, it's pretty amazing if you just stand back and think about it. Every child that comes into the world is an image bearer. I, person made in the very image of God, which gives them great worth and value, and they are precious, and we should uh, view them all as such. So, Amen. So the first chapter, first command of human life is pro-life. Another principle is life begins at conception. And we can give a lot of verses to this, but I think the most specific one is Psalm 51, verse Mm -hmm. 5. It's a prayer of David. It's even more specific if you look at the Hebrew text. Uh, as David was moved along by the Holy Spirit when he said this prayer and then wrote it down, it's inspired scripture. It's the very word of God, Psalm 51, verse 5. And he reveals, as he's moved by the Spirit of God, uh, basically saying that he, at conception, he was a human being mm-hmm. uh, in the womb. So Psalm 51, verse 5. Clearly, the Bible teaches that life for human beings begins at conception. Yeah. Yep. And is to be protected as such. 
Uh, next principle in the Bible, the number three, the baby in the womb is a person. Because, Amen. Because life begins at conception and because every human being is made in God's image, every baby actually in the womb is a person. Before I read this, can I quote one of our former senators, Barbara Boxer? If you would like. Yes, who on the Senate floor, that means publicly, mm-hmm. on our tax dollars a couple decades ago. I think it was in the 90s because I, w- I remember that I was alive at the time. Barbara Boxer, senator of California, pro-abortion mm-hmm. to an extreme. Mm-hmm. And they were arguing and debating about abortion uh, in the Senate. And she said that uh, the fetus is not a person until the mother takes it home from the hospital. Quote, end quote. Wow. Yeah. That's wrong on multiple levels. A but, senator. Wow. Contrary to what the Bible says, that the, the baby is in the womb is a person. Um, so uh, I, not a lot of people refer to this passage or they forgot about it, but I, I just want to read it because it's just – it's clear. It's a narrative. It's in Genesis 25. It's when Isaac uh, is, gets married to Rebekah. God blesses them at age – he's at 40 years old. Then God opens up the womb of his wife, verse 21. So this is Genesis 25, 21, just a few verses. And it says that Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. She couldn't have children. Mm-hmm. So that's the biblical position. God is the giver of life. He yeah. opens the womb. He closes the womb. So Isaac prayed to God because his wife couldn't have a baby. And the Lord answered his prayer. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Hmm. So she became pregnant because God is in charge. And then verse 22 so she actually became pregnant with twins in her womb. Mm-hmm. And then verse 22 says, but the children mm-hmm. struggled within her. Mm-hmm. So the Bible refers to uh, the fetus and the two of the twins in the, in, uh, the womb as children already. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. So they're already called children while in the womb. Uh, the children struggled together within her, and she said, if it is so – why then am I this way? So she went to inquire of the Lord and she prayed. And then God said to her, two nations are in your womb. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the terminology, you get, they're called, they're considered children. Right. They're already considered nations. Mm-hmm. Two nations are in your womb. And then next verse, and two peoples will be separated from your body. Wow. They're called children, nations, people. And one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. And when her days... To be delivered were fulfilled the end of her pregnancy. Behold, there were twins in her womb. They're called twins in the womb. Uh, now the first came forth red all over uh, like a hairy garment, and they named him Esau. And afterward, his brother came forth with his hand holding on Esau's heel. So uh, the terminology used by the Bible there is that uh, the baby inside the womb is a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremiah one five. Jeremiah, living around uh, the time of the Babylonian captivity, he was a prophet of God, and God reminds him and tells him how he was called to the prophetic ministry. And here's what God said yeah. to Jeremiah, Jeremiah one five: Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Wow. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Mm-hmm. So God has this personal relationship with this image bearer in the womb. Yes. Before he's born. Before he's even born. Yeah. That's God's point of view. Yeah. 
Yeah, you have to, as Barbara Boxer did, you have to make that argument that it's not a person. Because if it is a person, then you are murdering. Yeah. So you have to hold to that argument. And you have to say that it's not a person. Obviously, contrary to reality, contrary to the word of God. But you have to say that in order to get past this whole messy thing of what you're actually doing is taking a person's life in yep. the womb. You have to, and to be consistent. That's why these – they're usually Democrats who hold this right. extreme view of abortion. Um, and to be consistent, they have to go to that direction that uh, it's not a baby at all for the entire right. nine months in the womb. It's right. not until they're born that right. they're actually a person. You're right. And those are actually – Chuck Schumer uh, of New York just recently was putting forth legislation to that end. Mm-hmm as was Nancy Pelosi, which is the extreme. Yeah. Abortion at the up to the moment of birth. Yeah, which is, it doesn't make any logical sense either. No. Okay, so after uh, the baby in the womb is a person, then the Bible also says that every soul is God's, mm. belongs to him, his property. Ezekiel 18, 4, God says, the Lord says, every soul is mine. Everyone. They belong to me. They're his property. He's yep. the creator. Yeah. Uh, you hear all this terminology of these pro-abortion people talking about rights. Yeah. How – and they're outraged because this Roe v. Wade decision takes away the fundamental rights of women, fundamental reproductive rights. Right. Really what they're saying is their right to murder their baby. That's right. That's – if you want to get past the rhetoric. Yep. And we have to get past the rhetoric. Yep. They want rights to murder their baby. And God says clearly in his word, no, you don't have any rights. God owns every person. He mm-hmm. owns every soul. He is the creator. He is the judge. Yeah. Ezekiel 18.4. Um, so the next point I want to bring up, and you've already alluded to it, in light of these clear biblical principles that uh, God is pro-life. He's the creator of life. Life begins a conception in the womb. The baby in the womb is a person. Every soul belongs to God. If you snuff out that life, take that life, you're guilty of murder. So yep. that was my next point, that abortion is murder. Yeah. And there'd actually be some Christians to say, Derek, we shouldn't be talking that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That it's uh, abrasive. It's unkind. It, it's extreme. It, it's extreme. Yeah, it sounds extreme. We need to yeah. tone it down. Mm-hmm. And that's precisely what the other side would like us to do is to tone it down. Yeah. Because that actually uh, highlights the actual moral situation. What is the What is the status of that person, that being in the womb? Yep. Is it is it a is it a person or not? And when we are using words like murder, we're highlighting the reality that in fact they are a person yep. in the womb, and that is what abortion is doing: is it's taking that life unlawfully. Yep. Which leads me to my next point from God's point of view. So all murder is wrong from God's point of view, and that's right. one of the Ten Commandments. Right. Um, not all killing is wrong. Right. But all murder is wrong. That's unjustified. Killing from God's point of view. Yeah. And even though all murder is sin and wrong and God hates it, there are actually special categories uh, that God makes distinctions of things he hates even more than other things, comparatively speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the innocent God puts in a special category, the vulnerable, the innocent, right. the dependent. Uh, we see that in a lot of ways in the Bible, like widows are put into a specific category of needing special attention, orphans. Um, those who are weak, First Thessalonians 5, 
where we have to give extra special care to the vulnerable, those yep. kind of people. Yep. And the innocent are in that category from a biblical point of view, mm-hmm. that God puts out even extra safeguards to protect the innocent. Yeah. Um, so one verse, I mean, there's a lot, but Proverbs 6, 16 through 17 talks about that. And here's a summary of what it says. It says that God or the Lord hates, and that's the word used. Yeah. The Lord hates those who shed innocent blood. Yeah. It is an abomination. Those yeah. are the two words. God hates it. It's an abomination. Who are the innocent? Well, it's talking about innocent human beings, and it's not talking about from uh, the spiritual point of view that they're sinless. Right. Uh, but on a practical human level, uh, babies are the most innocent humans there are. Yeah. Babies are infants. That's why Jesus in the Gospels gave special attention and care to young children, mm-hmm. using them as his visual aid to say, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, yeah. you need to be humble yourself and become like a child. Yeah. Then he went on to say that, uh, woe to the one who causes these little ones mm. to stumble. It would be better that they not been born or that a millstone hung around their neck yeah. and thrown to the bottom of the sea. So God has a tenacious uh, heart of protection of the most innocent. That would be children. And, even, and the most vulnerable of innocent children are babies in the womb. I don't know how you could get any more vulnerable you than can't. a child in the womb. Nope. So of all categories of people that this verse applies to, it would be uh, babies in the womb, mm-hmm. most innocent of all. Mm-hmm. And the idea that of taking a life of murdering an innocent baby in the womb, God hates that, just yeah. for us to be clear, yeah. and it is an abomination. Yes. And it does no one any good to say it any less uh, straightforwardly than that. Yep. It doesn't help anybody because right. then you're confusing categories. You're lessening the seriousness of this. Uh, situation. And so to say it this way is biblical and it's necessary and ultimately going to be helpful, not something that we should tone down. Now, we're not um, yelling and screaming and getting angry and and these kinds of things. However, the words that we use are extremely important in in this case. We need to say what Scripture says and we need to draw the implications and use the words that are are necessary. Yeah, and this is just, we're just quoting the Bible, right? This word hate, right? Using that word, that's what God said. Right. I hate those, and I hate the act of those who shed innocent blood. It is an abomination. Yeah. Um, and then my last point here, and then we could talk about some practical implications of this, is that God will punish the wicked. God will punish those who have shed innocent blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. Mm-hmm. You can't get away with it. Uh, this is about the most hein- heinous human crime, I think, imaginable. Sure slaughtering innocent babies through abortion. And the Bible is clear that God will punish the wicked. Um, those who have taken the life of innocent babies in the womb are going to have to give an account. Unless, of course, I mean, they can always repent of their sin right. and ask God for forgiveness, and they can be forgiven. Which is wonderful. That's yeah. the gospel. Amen. That's the, that's the good news. But in the event that they don't yeah. and that doesn't happen, and they actually they harden their heart mm-hmm. and scream at the top of their lungs – uh, wanting to defend their right to right. continue to kill babies exactly. like we're seeing in the headlines. Which is still astonishing to me. I just, it never seems to, I know I don't get numb to that. It's always astonishing to me to see the, the response of those who want to protect that right of abortion get so angry that I, I, I must at all costs be able to abort my child. Angry. 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 I mean, angry. you just, 
basically quoted to me, um, that's almost a quote from one of the senators of California. Mm. Who was, he's angry because we can't kill babies right. anymore. Right. Whereas God is angry because they're killing babies. <laughs> they're killing babies, exactly. Uh, but God will punish the wicked. I was Genesis 4.10 where Cain murdered Abel, mm-hmm. thought he could get away with it. And the scripture says that Abel's innocent blood was crying out from the ground yeah. to God. Yeah. For vengeance. That phrase is actually used throughout the Bible. Um, when somebody commits a murder and there's bloodshed, it that blood pollutes the ground. Yeah. And God sees it. He hears it. Yeah. And he will act with vengeance. Yeah. Uh, there will be consequences either in this immediately or in this life yeah. or in the next life. Yeah. Uh, and, and Jesus said that that uh, those who harm young ones, children, babies, Jesus literally said, "Woe unto them." Mm-hmm. Woe unto – that's the serious warning and rebuke you could get yeah. in the Bible from God. And they will wish that they had never been born. So this is how we need to talk. Uh, I want to take this to a pastoral level, Derek, because say you and I were teaching on abortion, whether it's in a Sunday school class or a Bible study or preaching from the pulpit. We know, you and I, that in your mixed congregation, you probably have some ladies in your church sure, or maybe even members of your church who have had an abortion. Yeah. And yet you're going through, you know, we're going through our points of theology. Abortion is murder. God hates those who shed it. <laughs> what is our, um, what should we be thinking as pastors and shepherds of our sheep out there? Yeah, so that that's an excellent question because just given our day and age, it, it is likely that you'll have a few ladies in your congregation who either have had an abortion or maybe know someone who has, but just assuming that it was them who had an abortion. And you want to be clear that, this is what scripture says in terms of the heinous, heinousness of that particular act, but it doesn't stop there. And as we've already noted, the beauty of Christ and of the gospel is that because of Christ's death on the cross and because of his perfect righteousness, all of us, regardless of what we have done, even if it is abortion or even uh, any other kind of heinous crime or activity, because of Christ's death on the cross and his righteousness, the person who comes to him in repentant faith can be forgiven of all of that sin, including that particularly heinous sin, completely forgiven. God remembers your sin no more. He wipes it away. You no longer stand before him condemned that sin is completely forgiven, and you now have uh, a, a fresh new relationship with the, the Lord God and the Lord Jesus because of Christ's work on the cross. So I, we would want to be clear that, of course, the, what we've said is true. Scripture is uh true when it says that this is a human life in the womb taking it taking that life is evil and if that and if you've participated in that then that is sin but you can be forgiven 100% by the blood of Jesus amen and romans tells us where sin abounds grace abounds all yep. the more yep. god's grace christ's grace is greater than any of our sin yep and there are lots of wonderful stories of women who said they had an abortion and they came to Christ, and they were forgiven of their sins. And the experience of the forgiveness that they, uh, the experience that they had of that forgiveness, was wonderful. It was overwhelming. It was abundant, like you just said. Yeah, and so we need to give them the full biblical portrait, right? That Absolutely. yes, abortion is wrong because the baby is a precious life. Killing that baby is murder. That warrants the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. 
And yet the gospel is available to anyone who wants to repent of their sin and be yeah. forgiven. Yeah, that's right. And that as uh, Moses, who committed murder yeah. and was forgiven by God, David, mm-hmm. who committed murder, yeah. was forgiven by God. Paul, probably, as Saul, probably killed some Christians sure. and was forgiven. And that's just the, the glory of the gospel. Yep. Amen. Well, we want to come back and talk a little bit more about this topic. It's an important topic. And we hope that this has been helpful to you as we talk about the sanctity of life. And we would also like to point your attention to withallwisdom.org, where you'll find uh, lots of articles and audio resources, even some on this very topic of of the sanctity of life and pro-life. And until next time, keep seeking the Lord in His Word.